to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's Wednesday, November 8th. We're back. It's Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I'm Kyle Borgononi, and I'm joined by Matthew Betts and Jason Moore. What it do? What's up, boys? How are we feeling? We're halfway through the NFL season, which is uh, kind of crazy to say. I I definitely explained that to my wife. I said, "Hey, we're halfway there." She goes, "Okay, okay." You know that 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 still goes into January, but for her, it is like she's starting to see a little bit more of the holiday Kyle, and then that version of Kyle, that version of all of us, I feel like is a, is a pretty good version. I know, Jason, you're pretty pumped. Oh, I mean, I am I am a holiday man. And, uh, you know, especially for when it comes and where we live, we live in Arizona. We do fantasy football for a living. So August, September, those months are crazy. Those are insane months for us. Workload wise, temperature wise, nightmare in the desert wise. So when, when October rolls around, when Halloween is in the air and now it's Thanksgiving and Christmas, the weather's getting perfect and crisp. The workload is lightened. Everything is better in the holidays. It is my favorite time of year. It's it's good time around these parts, especially for footballers, because Jason, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if your body is ready, but tomorrow you will have recorded your 1500th episode of the Fans Footballers. Uh, I am aware that that is episode 1500, and now you have just let me in on a surprise. Clearly, you are aware that the producers are going to surprise us with a cake because my body is always ready for cake. No. No, that would, that would <laughs> Live be Live on really, the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to eat cake for the <laughs> podcast audience. That's it's, all there is. <laughs> no content, just cake. Episode 1500, ASMR with the ballers. I feel like that would be like a, you know, like a live live feed that people would like if it was a famous person just eating cake. People would watch that. People would people would want to be in on that. Now Jason, I don't know if that like that really matters to our show that much, but we but we do have some good stuff, okay? Great stuff. Yeah, I, I heard there's some some cool surprises planned. I know one of them, which we talked about on the show, there's going to be the top 10 all-time nicknames revealed as voted on by the Foot Clan, and that that's a fun list to go through. Yeah, some of these names have been around for a while. Some of them were still using Dynasty. So, Betts, do you have a personal favorite baller's nickname over the years? I mean, there's so many good ones, but when I was scrolling the list, putting my votes in, um, I just kept laughing at Blau Pow. <laughs> See, that's what I brought up today it's, too. That was like one of my all-time favorites. It's such a simple one, and it's Blau, like pow. not a huge play on words, but it just got me every time. So uh, I immediately Blau, voted for that one. Blau Pow. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say his name because his name is Blau Pow. Blau Pow. Uh, yeah, and uh, and and they they still are coming. Uh, I mean, we made one this weekend with Brett ripping farts. I mean, that immediately deserves. <laughs> I feel like consideration because of how good it is it's just he was ripping farts out there that's for sure well he was so bad that the team went out and signed Carson Wentz are you kidding me Brett ripped farts that hard that you go and sign Carson Wentz goodness I feel like his moment of the sun was so fast because we talked about it on Tuesday's show (laughs) you and Mike did you talked about like hey maybe Carson Wentz somebody and then Completely changed within like right after the episode. And then I don't know, a year or two from now, we'll be like, who's Brett Rippin? 
Who oh, is that sure. guy? You guys you remember even... that guy? We was talking about him ripping farts. The my favorite nickname and the one that I'm shocked has had this much. You know, it's just gone on for a long time. Is Guns Mahoney because when Guns Mahoney made it to the show, that's Dan Campbell. He was the Dolphins interim head coach, and like that was it. Next year wasn't the coach, and then he comes back, and obviously Dan Campbell's a big deal, big part of our life now. But Guns Mahoney's had a lot. We don't really call him that much or that anymore, really. No, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rekindle that fire. Okay, so Jason, any any other quick fun ones? Oh, I mean, there there really are just too many. When I read the list, I was like. Do we do anything on the show other than just come up with player nicknames? Because this was like reading a novel. Uh, D- D- Guns Mahoney was was absolutely one of my all time favorites. Um, Blau Pow. I mean, there's just too many to to think of. Yeah, you can go to Ballers Discord if you want to be in on that final vote. We will read off the top ten on Thursday's episode. You can be a part of that, and then you can also go to jointhefoot.com if you want to be a part of our community. You want to be a part of the people. I was just in the dynasty channels i was just you know perusing before the show looking at our dynasty Superflex channel dynasty trade advice there's dynasty waivers i mean there's conversation going on all the time so if you're a dynasty manager i could not imagine a better place to talk out your league with people that are super serious about it they love it and there's so many dynasty leagues like i think a lot of people have their home league and then if you want to get in with people that are playing dynasty all the time like this is the place to do it. So I just want to encourage you, join the foot.com if you want to be a part of that. But today's show, guys, is it's a special one in itself. We've never really, well, one, this is our first year doing the Dynasty podcast. We've never really reviewed mid-season and looked back and said, okay, over the past nine weeks, because we're halfway through, we haven't really come up with our own awards, our own flares. These aren't the footies, Jason. Mm. All right, this is not what we're doing. So on this show today, we are going to get to talk through some of these mid-season Dynasty Awards. Each of the three of us will get to share some of our thoughts. And if you have your own, you can share those with us on Twitter and on X. So let's do it. Dig deeper, y'all. Let's go. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to highlight a couple of different categories that pertain to Dynasty. And a lot of these are going to have overlap with your home leagues whatever else you're in but in dynasty we get to kind of put a certain lens of perspective of how we're looking at players so the the first category is going to throw us back because each one of these categories has a presenter of somebody that in my past maybe in your dynasty past has fit this category so the first category is dynasty golden nugget of the first half and this is presented by philip Lindsay. this is a Mm -hmm. positional player that either you got off waivers or the end of your bench that became a superstar. And, and didn't Philip Lindsay have like a two year run where he was awesome? Oh yeah. He was, he was incredible undrafted free agent out of nowhere, had a quick hype train, every dynasty league. Someone got lucky enough to pick him up. I believe he was a top 12 running back in his rookie season was good in his sophomore season. And he went the the route of James Robinson, which is when you don't have a lot of, draft capital behind you no matter how good you are because James Robinson fits this bill too where he was you know signed off of waivers he helped people win a league uh for a year and a half and then poof there's there's no commitment to you um yeah he Philip Lindsay was a great pick yeah bets I'm gonna let you go first because I think all three of us 
are totally shocked that part of the narrative of the 2023 season would be this player dominating. I mean, I'm really dominating for fantasy for half the season. Yeah, until last week. This player was the first half player. And I feel like, you know, the definition of the award is the first half. It's so wild that this guy could go from being the RB4 currently in half PPR to borderline irrelevant, depending on what the Colts do. And that is Zach Moss because he has been not just like, oh, you plug him in and you just hope you're getting like RB2 numbers to get by. He's been awesome. He's been like a true difference maker in your league. But last week, we finally saw the switch where they really did unleash Jonathan Taylor. Uh, 45 snaps for JT, 13 snaps for Zach Moss, just completely phased out. But man, he's been so good. And remember, he missed week one because he fractured, I think it was his forearm in training camp. Uh, Fourth in the league in rushing yards per game, eighth in yards per carry, eighth in total touches. He's been a true workhorse, but now we're on to the second half of the season and... I don't know that that continues. I mean, obviously it's not continuing, but I don't know if he's even part of the game plan anymore with how they, you know, paid Jonathan Taylor and then used him last week. So, so first so half of Di- the year, Zach Moss was awesome. Yeah. So for dynasty purposes, what is Zach Moss now going forward? If you've got him in a league or if you're thinking about, should I go get him? Does Zach Moss hold dynasty value right now? I, I feel like people are smart. Like, one, our listeners, we know they're smart, but most people are able to sniff out like, okay, they gave a contract to Jonathan Taylor. This can't keep up. And I just can't see people saying, I want to trade for, maybe three weeks ago, you could have said I was going to trade for Zach Moss four weeks ago. I just can't see anyone saying, I need to bolster myself for a stretch run and trade for him. I mean, well, I, I, I think that means that the Jonathan Taylor manager at this point this week is the is the manager that should go and acquire Zach Moss. If that wasn't already you in your league, if you've got Jonathan Taylor and it looks like, okay, I've got my dude back, go get, you know, trade very little for Zach Moss. And and if the opposing manager is not willing to give him up for very, very little, then just wait a couple weeks. Because, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks from now, when it becomes kind of probably clear that he is just an insurance option, for a Jonathan Taylor injury, then they'll take something as opposed to having nothing right before your trade deadline. What would you, so if you were the Jonathan Taylor manager and you wanted to get insurance, would you give up a late second just like on the stretch run? A late second. Yeah. If I, if I'm a really, really good team, I think a late second would be fine. Any team I would be willing to give up a third. Um, if I'm middle of the pack, or I've got Jonathan Taylor and I wasn't starting Zach Moss and I've got a really bad record right now. I would not give up an early second for Zach Moss as just an insurance back. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. Jason, your name that you have here is probably the biggest revelation, at least for the first month of the season and, you know, the dynasty value that you now have with this player. Yeah, for dynasty leagues, this is this guy just stood out to me as the clear winner of this award because in you know, in both of my main dynasty leagues, the ones that I play amongst the ballers, this player was not drafted in the first three rounds. This was a waiver wire ad right afterwards. And he was he was considered in those areas. You know, he was a third rounder in plenty of leagues. But it's Puka, baby. Puka Nakua came from relatively out of nowhere. I mean, we talked about him pre-NFL draft. We talked about him in the, you know, the, the startup draft, the rookie draft season. But he wasn't, he was a dart throw. 
He was not a locked and loaded superstar stud. And when you can find a guy on dynasty waivers after your rookie draft who turns out to maybe be the number one best rookie of that season, like it's it's potentially true that for fantasy football, we could look back five years, ten years from now and say, it wasn't JSN, it wasn't Jordan Addison, it wasn't Bijan, it was Puka. That <clears throat> That's not outlandish to think that anymore. I would still have Bijan number one. But I mean, since 2014, here are the rookies with 2.25 yards per route run or greater. Odell Beckham, superstar. A.J. Brown, superstar. Justin Jefferson, superstar. Puka Nakua, currently doing it. Jamar Chase, superstar. Chris Olave will be a superstar. And Tyreek Hill, superstar. Like, the, he is... And, and it's not on um a, a small amount of routes. This isn't like, oh, you know, his yards per route run are really good when they bring him in limited and throw it to him. His, he's also leading in targets. He's just always down the field, open, catching balls. It is He's a very talented wide receiver, and Sean McVay is going to get the most out of him. So he's my golden nugget for, especially for dynasty purposes, because in dynasty leagues, there's no there's no more important position to me than wide receiver. Wide receiver has the lifespan, the longevity. These young superstars can stay for a while and stay healthier and actually get additional contracts. Um, and so if you can find one of those type of players on waivers, I remember back in the day in our main dynasty league, Tyreek Hill was a waiver. Uh, it was like, I, I don't remember if it was after the season started or just between the rookie draft and the start of the season, but he was picked up off of waivers. And and when if you can add Tyreek Hill or Puka Nakua or one of these type of players off of waivers, that then you you won the GM of the year. Now, who has him in your main dynasty league? I'm I'm very curious about that. I do not know. I do not know, and I will never know. I will it not look be, it up. No, it'll be Jeremy and I because we have yeah. him, and we I got know him. the answer. We got him early on. Feel good about that. Okay, so let me let me predict his stat line because. I was going through his numbers, and Jason mentioned those yards per out run numbers. His target share, guys, is still at 32%, which is just stupid. Insane. Stupid. So, he's at 91 targets right now. He has 827 receiving yards. Wait, what? Yes. Puka 91. is at 91 targets right now? Yes. He had those what games early on where he had like 15 in one game and then like 12 in another. Yeah, he was just piling up double-digit so, targets weekly. what does he finish with? What's his stat line he finished? That's my question. Who's his quarterback? <laughs> that's gonna Carson make a Wentz, pretty, baby. Big, pretty big difference <laughs> like is he gonna finish with 150 plus targets it seems like that's like yeah like, i think so we're at the halfway point he's at 91 i think 150 targets will be a pretty easy line to hit yeah i think i think that's pretty doable they're probably going to be underdogs too in a decent number of their contests coming up so they should be thrown yeah you saw this past week him and cup both got seven targets and if you want to call them targets because in that game, I don't know. Like I felt so sad for Cooper Cup that entire game because it just felt like they were trying to run plays and Brett Rippon's like, I don't, I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can throw it to you guys. So um, Puka Nakua, I think, is the best answer here. I want to throw out Taysom Hill because over the last month, if you have him on your squad, you're probably like, ah, I don't know if I'll get to play Taysom. I have other options. Guys, he's getting the red zone rush attempts of an RB1 
and now he's running routes like an actual tight end. 100 routes over the last month. He has more receptions over the last month than George Kittle. So when you get somebody who has that type of usage inside the 10 and is running routes, that should be an, a running back. And we used to say, oh, you know, you're getting uh, a quarterback in the tight end spot. Like, yeah, he's throwing some passes. You're getting a full running back right now in the tight end spot. And the Saints are 18-1 when he gets seven-plus rush attempts. So, guys, Taysom Hill, rest of season. How high is he in terms of tight end? I, I think he's a top. Yeah, I think he's a top six tight end the rest of the way. The, the way that... The change that has been made where they are using him running routes, using him as a tight end, using him as a running back, using him as a quarterback, he's playing about 50% of the snaps now, which is not what he has usually done as just the gadget guy. I uh, I, I think he should be you know, easily top eight, but you've got to be, to be actually relevant at tight end in fantasy, you pretty much need to be like five or better. I remember there was one year I was... Uh, Trey Burton, Trey Boo Boo. Um, I really liked his outlook. Um, really talked him up, and he came out. And that following year, he sucked. Huge disappointment. Wasn't good. Finished that year as the tight end seven. Like it's one of those things where it was like, wait, wait, wait. He was the tight end seven. He was pretty good, but no, it was like the tight end seven usually sucks. It's just like these are guys that let you down most weeks. There's only like one or two at most five tight ends that are like weekly locked in starters. So hopefully Taysom can get into that top five. I think he will too, especially when you consider, I mean, Josh Jobs is apparently the best quarterback in the NFL, but you lose Kirk Cousins with Hawkinson, um, Darren Waller's on IR and their season's over. Like, yeah, I think he's a top five guy. Yeah. Goddard's, you know, out for at least what the next four weeks. So it's very few and far between. Would you rather have rest of season this year, Taysom Hill or George Kittle as your tight end? Oh, Taysom Hill. I I, I find myself so anti-George Kittle. I can't stand the ebbs and flows. Um, I say this all the time on the main show, but like he's awesome. George Kittle is awesome. If he was a chief, he would be Travis Kelsey. He could do anything. They just don't ask him to do what fantasy managers want him to do on a regular basis. The games they ask him to do it, he does it. He's great, but you got to you got to take into account the system. So yeah, I think I, th I think you'll have more consistency and a higher floor with Taysom. That's just like crazy to even <laughs> consider, but, but I think it's right. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned it. You know, Debo's been out for two weeks. Seven and eleven targets for George Kittle. Debo's coming back this week, most likely. Um, and in the games prior two, four, one target for George Kittle. So that's, that's kind of the story, but it makes sense. It's one of the wilder things about the dynasty format that these players we just talked about, none of us were excited going into the season about the prospects of Zach Moss. Not even Zach Moss's family was excited. Puka. I mean, we, we talked about Puka on this show. We mentioned him, you know, as somebody like after your draft, you could pick up and then Taysom is just a wild card. But these are players that have meant a lot in Dynasty. And then the other name I'll just throw out is just an honorary mention. Kyron Williams has gone from, yeah, hey, you know, you're like backup, backup, who cares, to holy crap, you are an asset to my team. And he's coming back in, uh, very soon. So he's another name. Rashid Shahid, another one that's just like, oh, you're actually pretty relevant to the conversation. So those are our ones for Dynasty Golden Nugget of the first half. Let's take a break and we'll get to our next one. 
okay, we're here. And a lot of times in Dynasty, we're talking about youngins, the youth, the the kids, the cool kids. And we're projecting, we're thinking about potential, thinking about who somebody can be over time. This next category is the most disappointing youngin. That's how we say it in the South. And so we're looking at players, years one through three, that have been the most disappointing player in Dynasty. And this award is presented by none other than Nikhil Harry, the great wide receiver I once took at the 102 in Dynasty oh, Junior. He, he fell to you, huh? I mean, he was the 101 in, in that year in most leagues I was in. Yeah, apparently somebody wanted to take Josh Jacobs. and uh, What I, an idiot. I, I know. And so I was like, sweet, wide receivers, youth, Dynasty, of course. So um, some honorary mentions before we get to ours. I feel like Kyle Pitts is still in this category and has been for at least the last two years. For sure. Uh, Kadarius Tony is someone that really, I mean, he should be presenting this award. He would not make it up here. They, he doesn't run enough routes. He's not as involved. <laughs> Dude would get hurt. Wouldn't make it. I put Rondell Moore, but I felt like it was mean. Like it was really mean just to throw him up there. But like, what a waste of a pick. Sorry, Jason. No, it was it was it was a total waste of a pick. I mean, if we're just going waste of a picks, then you could just take pretty much all the Cardinals uh, picks. Uh, who was uh, Andy Isabella? That was a total waste. At least Rondell Moore still playing football for the Cardinals. When you get a chance to take Andy Isabella over DK, you do it. Oh, that's right. We did take him over DK Metcalf. Great job, Steve Kime. So, Betts, I will let you go first. And this was actually, I think all three of us are going to. This is the best answer. Amen. It uh, just, it's. I don't think it's going to happen for Jamison Williams. Like, and it's it's time. Like, if it doesn't happen in the next month, I I feel like it's never going to happen. You know how many uh, how many times we're going to do this with Jamison, where it's like, okay, he's coming back. And it's like, yeah, but they're kind of telling us that they don't really want him to be what we think he could be. And if you look at his route rate, 50% to 19%, 45%, since he's come back into the lineup. And, you know, coming out of college, we knew the ACL was going to affect his rookie season, but then he gets suspended. Then he picks up the training camp hamstring injury. And it's just like, man, you need to do something in the NFL to ever be a dynasty asset. And I don't think there was anything more telling than at the trade deadline. Now, part of this probably is the Marvin Jones situation, but they trade for a downfield separator in Donovan Peoples-Jones. I feel like if they thought Jamison Williams could do it, they would not have made this move. However, they swap a late-round pick, go get DPJ, uh, and I think Jamison Williams is just going to continue to be this like part-time, you know, two targets a game, hope they hit, and nothing more at this point. Now, I know Kyle also put this out on uh, on Twitter you mentioned some of the coach speak from Ben Johnson, like over the last two, three months. If you just, I, I wish I could find that post, but if you just go to it and kind of read like chronologically or in order, like by week, they're all sort of saying the same thing. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, you know, we, we, we want him to do more. We think he can do more, you know, stuff like that. But like, he just doesn't do it and they yeah, haven't they, let him do it. So they say, they I, I don't think worse, it's going to happen. They say worse than just, I want him to do more. It's we have to be able to trust him. He's not right. there yet. He's coming along slower than we hoped. Like it's like it's it's all bad. And um, to go back two years when he was a rookie, Kyle had some kind of inside information from a source of a source that was wondering about about Jameson Williams. Would it be fair to say it was his work ethic that that was yes. being questioned? Okay, so and then when you've got that question, that always lingers in the back of my mind that that you kind of brought that up. 
we never brought it up on the show because it didn't feel like a reliable enough sure. source to to put that out for a rookie coming in who we all thought was extremely talented. Um, but when you combine it with the fact that he just the team does not seem to love this dude, you know, that's talking, you know, if you don't block, you don't get the rock. And when you got to keep saying stuff like this two years into this guy's career, it, it just feels like that report that we got early on might be true. And I agree, Betts. He's got like a month left to prove he can step forward or he's just probably going to be like Nikhil Harry. He, he'll be in the NFL for more years than you think doing nothing. He's, Do you guys think you could still get, I mean, I feel like an early second. If you have Williams and you're like, man, I'm I'm worried, which we are. Do you think you could still get an early second? Could you get better than an early second round rookie pick for you, Jameson you might Williams? Be, you might be able to get a late round first from someone who believed strongly in the talent, of which there are many. He's on a good offense. He's young. You can you can make excuses for why it hasn't happened. The lost season, the suspension. You know, there's there are there. You know, it, like I don't put it a zero percent chance that he doesn't develop into a star. I don't think it's going to happen. But like there there is the case. So if you could get a first, I would trade him for a first in a heartbeat. Same. It. I wonder if the second, like the second's enticing. If you just think there's nothing here, but I almost just think it's just worth it for what the five to ten percent chance that he's. So, I mean, that he's not John Ross. Like, that's what I'm basically hoping that he's not. But these quotes, these are, you know, Betts and Jason were talking about. This was in October. This isn't like, hey, this is a while ago. In October this year, we haven't been able to stack good weeks on top of each other with Jamison Williams. Some guys take longer than others. We frankly aren't there yet. Like, that's that's not stuff that you would say publicly, but he did. Mm -hmm. So, I yeah, it's it's worrisome. A player that we really liked coming out of Alabama, really fun tape. At Alabama, by the way, um, and it just hasn't translated. And you know, you you kind of give a two year marker. We've talked about this on many shows, like where you're saying, okay, maybe you got a limited number of snaps. He had that one catch last year. We need to give him a little bit more room. The fact that he's not getting on the field, just pure snaps, it's not going to happen. Same thing with Kadarius Tony. Like I just need somebody who I don't know actually plays football. So he's probably the most disappointing player in Dynasty period right now like i i if i have him yeah if you can get something but i also just like i just might just go down with the ship and just say i screwed this over because people are taking yeah. about the 105 106 oh yeah he was he was super high um I'm, I'm gonna go next here kyle because when i came to the dock there were two names that i wanted to put in i wanted to put in jameson williams and i wanted to put in the player you have who has been an unmitigated disaster of a disappointment that I can't even really wrap my head around. Um, and so I'll let you book end with that. My player is Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. I feel like we are watching his career evaporate as quickly as it came upon us. And if you go to this last off season, I was so annoyed. I know, I know Kyle, you've been kind of anti Damian Pierce from the beginning, um, this offseason, I was super anti Damian Pierce right until the preseason looked like, you know, the the preseason was like, oh, my gosh, is he really going to be the workhorse? Is he going to be in on all passing downs? And and the thing is, he's not that good. You look at some of the metrics about like success rate and um, tackles for loss and, and things like this. It, 
I know their offensive line is not good. Somehow CJ Stroud is not affected by that, but Damian Pierce has not been very good in any phase of the game. There is a lot of historicity to the fact that a fourth round draft capital running back almost always vanishes. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me because it was early off season, but I, I did a big study on that and it was like 83% of the top of the guys who performed well in their rookie season as a fourth rounder almost disappeared. They lost like 47 fantasy points off their rookie season. Almost all of them vanished. And so, um, when you combine that with some of the stuff that the coaches are saying, they're talking about how like, yeah, it's going to be a committee. Also, we can't run the ball. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was just talking about, like, I, I watched uh, his presser this last weekend, and he said, he said, um, yeah, we're we're not able to run the ball, but thankfully we have a quarterback that can stand in there and throw it. And if that's our strength, then we'll just start playing to our strengths. He's basically saying, like, look, we can't run the ball. We're not going to be able to run the ball. C.J. Stroud could throw it. That's what we're going to do now. And that doesn't, for dynasty purposes, if I'm the coach saying that, that says, hey, we need to fix this running game in the offseason. And how we're going to fix this running game, sure, it might be some offensive linemen, but I do not believe Damian Pierce is the answer to our problem. I think he is part of the problem. And so they're going to go out and they're going to replace Damian Pierce because they're not invested to him. He's a fourth-round draft pick. They They don't have any big finances or draft capital in the running back room and they can't run the ball. And so I expect this offseason they're going to invest in the in the running game and it will be at the expense of Damian Pierce. So his career, I mean, it, right now it looks like he's in the 50-50 timeshare of a team that can't run the ball. And then he might be replaced in the offseason. If I could get something for Damian Pierce, I would. Yeah, the, the offensive coordinator of the Texans, Bobby Slowick, comes from the 49ers you know, tree. And basically, they morph their game plan based on the opponent. You saw that in, against Carolina. Weak run defense just said, hey, we're going to run the ball. Didn't work. They lost because they're just not effective doing it. This past week, they said, hey, let's throw the ball against Tampa Bay with our best player. And what did we get? The best rookie performance ever. It's, it's one of those things where you can keep trying, but a committee approach is what the 49ers were always doing with all of their running backs. And you're seeing that now with the Texans. So... It's sad, like, it wouldn't shock me if Damian Pierce, you know, two or three years from now, he's on another team, he's a backup, and he has a little run as like a, you know, just like a, a veteran on a good team. Like, let's say he went to the Ravens or something for a second contract. You'd be like, okay, this player can work, this is fine, but he's not going to get a big contract. Um, And whatever value you thought you had, like, I think he was kind of seen as like a top 15 dynasty running back. Oh, he definitely was. This, this offseason... He was he was being treated borderline top twelve. I mean, he was he was for sure in the top fifteen. I wish I'm gonna see if I could find some old dated rankings. What's funny is I had a moment where I was kind of like Jason. I've been pretty anti from the get go, but the workload is really hard to argue with. It's kind of like we're seeing that with Rashad White. This team stinks, but you're seeing the good side of somebody getting a ton of workload, and he's fine for fantasy. He's a top fifteen running back. I think Damian Pierce. You're seeing the other side of lack of draft capital, they can't run the ball. So whatever opportunities you project, same thing with Miles Sanders, who we're going to talk about later. If they're on a bad team, I don't care what workload you get. It might just be bad, just terrible for fantasy. So 
I don't know. Damian Pierce is somebody that we're not going to tell anybody to trade for him. And if you have him, you just kind of hold, right? Uh, no, if I have him, I'm, I'm trading him away. I'm trying to get something you think for him. People want Damian Pierce right now. I think people want a 23 year old running back that they believed in, in this off season and has struggled. That's, What's the lowest you would take for him though? Like in, in rookie picks, Jason, in a rookie pick, I would take any second for him. Okay. That's fair. I I would too. I just, there was also some warning signs. Like, I don't know how much, how this, uh, how real this was, but they were kind of linked to Bijan in the pre-draft NFL draft process a little bit. Uh, and remember you mentioned like, they're just not invested in him from a draft capital standpoint. It's also not this coaching staff's guy. So they've got like double incentive to move on. So I think a second is totally fair. I need to talk about Rashad Bateman because I, I don't know if I've really processed you know, a lot of us haven't processed the trauma of our life, but Rod, Rashad Bateman's one of those players that if you took him in a rookie draft in 2021, you're looking up now three years later and saying, uh, did I just, I mean, what, what is this? Because I feel like you haven't gotten a full season ever. So 12 games, six games, and this year he's played an eight and he just never really got going ever. He had a little stint at the beginning of last year where he caught a couple touchdowns, but he's dealt with injuries and his targets per out run last year was like enough. It was 23% in his, you know, six games played that you're like, okay, maybe there's something there. He's good running yards behind. Per out run. Yeah, it was good. And now he's running behind Nelson Aguilar, who they just picked up on the cheap. Like, what do they even care about him? Does he just not fit their system, I guess? But Rashad Bateman is a player that it's not going to happen. It's really not. And you need to be okay with that. I think. It's it mirrors Jamison Williams in one major way. The team can move on without you. The Baltimore Ravens are great, and the Detroit Lions offense is great, and they are not in need of Jamison Williams or Rashad Bateman. They, That's a great they, point. They waited for a while, and they have found out, like, okay, you, you know, we gave you a chance. You didn't get it done. Their job is to go win games. Their job isn't to just sit there and try to be like, well, Rashad Bateman was a high draft pick. We should try to train him up and get him more involved. The season is moving on without you. We, you know, Josh Reynolds is out there, Jameson Williams. He's blocking and he's catching balls, and we don't need you to be anything better. We're winning ballgames, and that's kind of what it seems like with Rashad Bateman. They've just moved forward, and eventually you run out of patience for a player. Both these guys dealt with massive injuries, several times, multiple years in a row, and you just have to move forward. You have to go, well, we can't rely on them. And if you can't rely on them, let me find any other player that's reliable. Yeah. I Betsy, you have any thoughts on Bateman? Because I feel like there was a time where we were interested. I remember some of our articles coming out on our site. It's like, okay, well, coming out of Minnesota, like he was he profiled great. You have the capital and I just haven't seen anything in any format that you could say I li- I liked what I see. No, I'm I'm with you guys. It's it's bleak. <laughs> it's bleak out there for Rashad Bateman. Um, I love yards per run. It's an awesome stat, but it is one that can be so like if you just get stuck to it across a small sample, you will get fooled. And if you just looked at last year, you'd be like, oh man, Rashad Bateman, two point three eight yards per run. Like this guy's gonna be a stud. Second year leap, we saw it, but it was all just those like deep shots that happened at the beginning of the year that were unsustainable. Now we're seeing across a larger sample, as you mentioned, he's part of that wide receiver committee. He's at best the wide receiver four behind Odell or fourth pass catcher behind Odell, Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. And it's like, man, 
if you can't be a top two option for a elite Russian quarterback in fantasy, it's never going to happen. So yeah, I, I think it's slowly uh, coming to an end here for Rashad Bateman's outlook. I realized that was a really sad like segment where we basically said, this guy's done. He's done. Get him off your team. But that's just part also, of- Also, can I just say real quick before we move on, I put this out on Twitter just to see what the poll would look like. I said, Dynasty, would you rather have Jameson Williams or a late 2024 first? It's only up to 300 votes right now. But 93% of people voted for the late 2024 first. So if you can trade Jameson Williams for a late first, do it immediately. That would That would be quite nice. This next award is called the Mr. Magoo fantasy quarterback award is presented by Blake Bortles. It is the quarterback in dynasty that you did not see becoming a stalwart for your team. Maybe they're your quarterback too. Maybe they're in a super flex league and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm starting this guy and it's actually working out. So a big surprise that just you're stumbled into a quarterback for dynasty that you're like, wow, did not know that I had them. So Jason, I will let you start first. Yeah. I mean, I think CJ Stroud deserves this award, but we, we all, you know, we, there were plenty of us that just really loved CJ Stroud before the draft and obviously he was he didn't he didn't come out of nowhere. So I'm going to dig a little deeper and I'm going to go with the Manders quarterback Sam Howell. Howell. He has been very good for fantasy purposes. He runs the ball. He's getting better recently. He was the quarterback one a couple weeks ago, a top 10 quarterback this week. In fact, four of the last 5 games He's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback, and that is a player that even though he fell to the fifth round in the NFL draft, which was really, really disappointing, this was a guy that I was targeting uh, among all the, you know, the the rookie quarterbacks last year. I was like, I really liked Sam Howell. I thought he was good. Then he fell to the fifth round and was like, oh, never mind. I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll scoop him up maybe at the end of a draft or something, um, but he became unimportant this year. He has played well enough, and and I think a big part of that is, you know, we're talking about the realities of NFL franchises that can easily move on from a player, or they, they, they're not going to necessarily train you up. He's in a perfect position here with a team that is building for the future and that thinks they have found their guy. They are not going to be bad enough as a team to have some top five pick where they're going to be forced to stare down, do we want to keep going with Sam Howell or do we want to take a shot at a really top-tier franchise type of prospect, uh, which means Sam Howell's going to probably get another year to try to prove this. And the team has rallied around him. They love his attitude. You know, th there was uh, the game against Buffalo where he was so unbelievably bad that you couldn't believe he didn't get benched. You couldn't believe that Riverboat Ron didn't bench him after that going into week four. And he has bounced back from that game. He's been really good from that point forward. And, you know, you look at some of the comments uh, from the from the team. Uh, you've got Jonathan Allen, their uh, defensive lineman, stalwart mander. He is, you know, a, one of the primary manders. He came out and he said, you know, people were asking about Sam Howell. He said, Sam Howell's established himself as the franchise quarterback in Washington for five or ten years. That's wow. his belief. He he came out and said, like, this is our franchise quarterback. We finally have one. The team super believes in this kid, and he looks he looks pretty good. And so for fantasy purposes, he runs the ball. He's got good weapons. He's got now a bad defense. Uh, I think he is the guy you didn't necessarily expect to be a plug-and-play capable fantasy asset 
but he certainly is. I mean, right now, do you know where he is quarterback ranking on the season? Total in points four, in four point scoring. Yeah. Um, he's so I'm assuming he's definitely top ten. I'm assuming he's like seven. He's six. He's the quarterback six in fantasy right now, halfway through the 2023 season. Nice, and he's tore. He kills the Eagles. <laughs> That's true. Okay, Two buddy. good games against the Eagles, but <laughs> 23 years old. You know, you take it. Yeah, and they're going to be bad on defense. So he's going to have tons of opportunities, and he's super fun. Like, if you're in a two-quarterback league, it would be awesome if you had him in your QB2. Betts, go next. Betts has the Sam Howell lookalike. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield, who was basically laughed out of the league last year uh, by multiple teams when he went from Carolina to the Rams and just kind of hopped around this offseason. You thought, well, okay, they signed Baker who cares? Like the Bucks going to be terrible. Who cares? Well, it was, was going to be Trask. It was Baker oh, or Trask. True. It's probably going to be Kyle Trask as their starter. That's what we thought going into camp. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but man, Jason I, wants I, look, Trask. Still does. <laughs> I don't know that Baker will continue to play this well, but if you had him on your bench as like a QB three, you literally thought you had nothing. And the dude is the quarterback 16 in total total scoring here. And over the last uh, five games, he has four top 12 finishes, QB1 performances, um, ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And look, Joe Burrow was injured earlier in the year, but ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Joe Burrow, like he's kind of a rock solid quarterback too right now, which is crazy. Um, his weapons are good, obviously, with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. Kate Otten can catch the ball a little bit. Rashad White can catch the ball a little bit. I think they'll be trailing enough that like he still might give you some middle uh, QB2 numbers rest of season. So Baker Mayfield went from being a guy that I just like wanted no part of, and I don't think anyone did. And now you're like, okay, I could put this guy in my lineup as a quarterback too in Superflex leagues. And he and he actually passes the eyeball test a little bit. I've you know, yeah. he looks pretty good and his pocket awareness and movement has been it, I don't know what happened after rookie year Baker. What what happened above the shoulders to make him so scared, but under pressure he just looked so bad. And now this year, when pressure comes, he's evaded it. He's stepped out, kept his eyes downfield, and made a good throw. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens killed him, like did something to him in his psyche at that second year. But he, I mean, it's a great answer because I, I think he's one of those players that I definitely did not want any part of. And he's sustained multiple weapons in that offense. I'm going to throw out Josh Dobbs because not only was he probably American sitting hero, I apparently he just. He's a hometown guy here. He's actually from the city uh, next door where I'm from, Alpharetta, Georgia. Got to give a Georgia shout out, people. And man, like he was sitting on waiver wires. Nobody was going to. When the Cardinals traded for him, Jason, I laughed. I laughed my head off. I said, why would they give up draft picks for a player that should be on the street? And it's worked out. So yeah, when when they when they made that trade, I, I had the same thought. I mean, granted. He led them to a one and seven victory, so I still feel like man, maybe we didn't need to trade that draft capital to for that one win. But Josh Dobbs has looked pretty good, and instead of just throwing to Hollywood and nobody, now as the Vikings quarterback the rest of the way, he's got Hawkinson and Addison, and then eventually Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne. He's got some some options, some weapons, and he's mobile. He runs for fantasy purposes. He's going to come out of nowhere, and he should be a streaming option. Yeah, four finishes inside the top eight. That's as many as Mahomes and more than Tua. So, yeah, running really matters for fantasy, and he's just come out of nowhere and magooed his way. The next award 
is the Running Back Houdini Award, and this one's presented by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's the running back whose value completely evaporated and is gone forever. We won't mention Damian Pierce because we talked about him earlier, um, but Betts, you have somebody that is, it's just sad. Like It's, it's one of the sadder stories in Dynasty uh, of Najee Harris being, I don't even know what he is anymore. That's the thing is, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Uh, but he certainly is not what he was after, well, when he entered the NFL or after his rookie season when he was considered top 10, top 5 fantasy running back locked and loaded in Dynasty. Uh, his snaps over the last three years have gone from 84% to 66% to now 54%. And his opportunities have fallen off a cliff, 24 to 19 to 15 per game over the last three seasons as Jalen Warren continues to look better. Now, I think he'll still hold a little value just because we have the fifth year option thing going and he's only uh, still in that rookie deal. But like, is this a guy that's going to sustain any sort of value beyond the first contract? I would be absolutely shocked. So it's sad, man. It's sad for Najee. I just don't even know what you can get for him anymore. I've had leagues where I don't have him, but someone else does and they put him on the block and just no one cares. Like no, no one wants Najee anymore, which is just crazy for a firmer, uh, former first-round uh, uh, NFL draft pick. Yeah, you're not getting anything for him other than what he provides in your lineup as a as a flex option, as a weekly, bi-week start. Um, I think we just have hopes that what happened last year will happen again. You know, last year he got off to a really stinky start, and the second half of the year he was actually pretty good. We blamed the foot injury. Maybe it wasn't the foot injury. Uh, but you hope that this team, as it gets into the cold weather and – defenses start getting a little tired and beat up that this style of player just like we talk about Derrick Henry the Yeti he can get better and wear people down with his you know 240 pound frame um as the as the season wears on it might be surprising to realize two of the last three weeks he's been a top 12 running back um because he never looks good but he can and but I do agree with you you got one year left I don't think they're going to play around with a fifth year option they're not picking up a fifth-year option for Najee. I'd be, I'd be really, really surprised. And then in the free agent market, I mean, the, oh man, I feel so bad. Genuinely feel bad for free agent running backs. You're just, you are the ugly girl at the dance. Oh. Man, no, nobody's gonna come ask you. I'm sorry, it sucks, but like, no one's coming over here to ask you to dance, and no one's gonna be like, hey Najee, I want you on my team for a lot of millions of dollars. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, he'll sign somewhere for, uh, you know, a, a a backup nonsense thing. But given how he's looked for two years, uh, yeah, it's it's not looking promising. And, and, you know, if you're not as attractive, you're at a dance, like there's still a snack bar. You can get a little something. You're still hanging out with people. You're in. <laughs> you're at the dance. But how was the yeah. dance, honey? Not bad. Uh, I got a, I got a soft pretzel tonight, but no one talked to me. No one hung out with me. No one wants me. Even though yeah, apparently Najee was a really good looking one for a while. Like people like middle school, like, ooh, that's a good looking one. But not anymore. Not anymore. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're going to blitz through a couple more names. I have Miles Sanders on here as a running back that just vanished. That the Panthers said, I want to pay you some money. So that you can just chill. You can do your own thing. We don't trust you anymore. But hold on to that cash. And it's been really bad. You guys know that Chuba Hubbard's kind of been the dude recently. Even coming out of the bye. So that was like a death sentence. And one of my concerns with Miles Sanders 
It's the same one I had with Damian Pierce before the year. Teams that start a rookie quarterback, they're just bad. So you can project as many opportunities as you want for players like Miles Sanders. And you guys remember the narrative like, oh, we're going to get this guy 50 catches. Well, it really doesn't matter if he's not scoring any touchdowns. Was he have like one touchdown on the year? So it's it's one of those things where Miles Sanders, before the season, he was another top 15 dynasty running back. And I would say right now, there's no way you could trade for him. And I feel like you might get a second, maybe, if somebody, but like, you're not getting anything better than that. No, you, you wouldn't. And so I wouldn't trade him. I would hold on to him. This is a player that what I what I have experienced is I believe that this is the groin issue I still do he dealt with it all he dealt with it all training camp all practice came out in the beginning of the year was was kind of projected to be like what we thought 24 opportunities 19 18 16 opportunities and was pretty good in uh, at least half of those games still not a great offense but then he re-aggravated the groin played fewer snaps fully injured the groin got out and hasn't gotten back I mean you know the last two weeks, 18% of snaps, 25% of snaps. He is, he should not be active right now for this team. And I really do believe it's the groin issue. If it doesn't recover and change to more of a 50 50 or give, going back in Miles Sanders' direction, I will be surprised uh, by the end of the year. An aggravated groin is something that no one wants. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's going to be one of your big offseason projects bets for the, for the UDK is I know we have the site, but I feel like there's a whole section in the app that could just be dedicated to aggravated groins. <laughs> see what I can do. Um, he also missed a game with a shoulder injury too, so he's been kind of banged up for a couple, uh, like a month now basically for different injuries. Um, it's interesting because when they came out after the bye week, I think it was, and talked about, or when Frank Reich talked, he kind of said like, yeah, this is we're going to put Chuba as the lead back. Um, if Jason, if you think that, do you think Miles Sanders is worth poking around as a buy low right now? If, if you think it goes back to him being the leader in the backfield? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would offer a third rounder or something for him. If, if, if managers are thinking he's just done, he's not even getting snaps. He's being playing behind Chuba has been awful. Um, if I could get him for nothing, I, I, I would, I'm not going to pay up right now, uh, because you know, I could be wrong about the about the groin but if the groin is right then there's an avenue to make all of it make sense and that's worth a third round pick to me jason right. you have you have some players that we're going to pour uh, one out for yeah we're going to pour one out it, it, it's on one hand it's low-hanging fruit because these players um they're not going to be they disappeared they disappeared because they got injured but i am taking this as a dynasty question and i want to point out to the foot clan listening what happens to running backs when they get injured? You know, if 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 uh, if T. Higgins got injured, season ender, he's still got a great career ahead of himself. But J.K. Dobbins, at twenty four point nine years old, his career's over. Like I, I, it just is. Cam Akers at twenty four years old, he tore his Achilles. His career is over. Like these guys will never be in a fantasy lineup ever again. And you even have guys like Nick Chubb, who is all-world, great running back. Now he's requiring a second surgery. He's 28 years old. I don't necessarily think that his career is over. Like, a team will bring him on to try, and maybe he heals well because he obviously did once, and he's a superhuman. 
So maybe he gets another chance and is okay and is in a starting lineup. But what happens when these promising but not delivering running backs gets injured is that they just don't get another chance. It happens all the time in Dynasty. It's just the team's going to move on from them. They're going to be free agents. They're going to go on the open market. They're either going to take like a veteran minimum, which means they're just going to be a fourth stringer in a platoon trying to get that third stringer job, or they're not going to accept the veteran minimum because they think they're worth more and they're not going to get a deal. And the team's just going to go out and draft 12 new rookie running backs and you know, and, and sign them undrafted rookie running backs. That's what happens every year. So these guys, man, they just disappear. Running backs, when you can get something for them and cash them into wide receivers, it's just safer. The sad, sad tale of this year for me is Nick Chubb in a dynasty league having an offer put in front of me the night before he gets injured. And I said, I'm going to wait one more day. I'm going to wait after this. Oh, myself. man. So Rough. I have what Nick- was the offer? It was a first and a second. Well, wait. So sorry, you did the trade? No, I I still have Nick Chubb, and and I am just you know oh. looking at him on my on my bench. Did so, you make him the offer the next day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I tried. Hey, man, you you can keep the second. <laughs> I'll take that deal. So it it's tough, and it's tough for players that I think we would all say like physically speaking, they're awesome. Like there's just. Awesome. All of these, all three of these players you mentioned, Dobbins, Akers, Chubb, it wouldn't shock anybody, you know, that they would have had a, you know, double digit touchdown season, been awesome, but they're done. One more category here. It's the old man's strength award. And this one's presented by Gary Barnage, Maximum Barnage, another uh, nickname, because he came out of nowhere as a 33, like a 30 year old and became like the tight end three that year. So this is a veteran who surprised and has become a dynasty stalwart this season. You two have the primary answers here. Like the yeah. these are the ones that have made this year. So I'm going to start us off because I think this player. It shocked me how well he's been doing. It's Cortland Sutton it could, because we came into the year saying I don't know if we want any part of this offense, and if we do, it's Jerry Judy. Guys, Jerry Judy is not it, and Cortland Sutton has been the clear one on this team. He has nine plus fantasy points in all but one game this year, okay? Here's the other wide receivers to do that this year. A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, and Cortland Sutton. That's the group. So it's been pretty touchdown heavy, but it's been nice to see a player that we thought like, oh man, last year it didn't happen with Russ, he's done. I think he's been a flex-worthy player that I thought was just dust at age 28, but Cortland Sutton's kind of a nice surprise. He's been a nice surprise, but man, he's been lucky. I mean, he's just so lucky. I'm looking through his game logs. His touchdowns. Yeah, it's like, okay, this last week he had 9.9 fantasy points. That's good. He was 2 for 29. His total line in the game was 2 for 29. (laughs) He just happened to get a touchdown. You know, uh, he's had uh, games of three receptions, one reception, two receptions. It's like, it's hard to rely on that, but you're, you're right. I mean, the stats you pointed out are not a lie. But instead of taking the running back or the wide receiver 31, which is Cortland Sutton, I'm going to take what is uh, one of the best running backs in all of, not just for old men, but in all of fantasy football this year at the ripe young age of 31 and a half, the running back two on the season, Raheem Mostert. Raheem has been awesome. They, they you, It's very difficult to stop him. 
He's a big-bodied back with speed in a great system, a really solid offense. He has been outside of a running back two only twice this entire season, and he has been inside of the top three at the running back position on three different occasions with monstrous weak winning performances like 32.7 fantasy points in week six or 41.7 in week three. He has been a safety valve for teams, a high upside play for teams, and his value feels like it is just injury risk alone. He's the running back one for this team. Who's the running back two? Probably Devon Achan soon. More than Jeff Wilson, more than uh, Savan Ahmed. But no matter who is healthy and available and how many people are rotated in, uh, it seems like it's going to be Raheem Mostert with the pri as the primary ball carrier, and this isn't a guy who needs a crazy amount of carries. I just talked about how good this season has been. He's got games this season with seven carries, 10 carries, nine carries, 12 carries. These aren't extraordinary numbers. These aren't numbers where he's getting 25 carries and he's voluming his way. This guy just needs 10 to 12 carries in a game, and he's going to be good, and he's going to get that the rest of the season unless he's injured. Before this season, all right, Raheem Mostert, you could have acquired him for a third. Like, the, like you could have gotten him for literally nothing. Oh, yeah, 31-and-a-half-year-old running back with injury history for sure. And bets your pick you could have gotten for free. Like, you could have given him to me. I probably would have said no. <laughs> Bag of chips? Sure, I'll take Adam Thielen. Uh, yeah, man, crazy. This <laughs> is crazy. 33 years old. Currently the wide receiver, 9 in points per game and overall in fantasy, and 11th among all players in targets per game. He's just getting so much volume and PPRing. PPRing him on his way. That sounded awkward. To fantasy relevance. And like, I know we wanted Jonathan Mingo to be a thing in Dynasty, maybe, but just doesn't seem likely. The volume should be there for a team that's going to be losing a ton. So it's crazy. I wanted to fade him all offseason. I don't have him anywhere, whether it's Dynasty, Best Ball, whatever. Um, Adam Thielen, man. This is, it's just been crazy. All right. If you're a contender and you need another spot at wide receiver, what would you give up for him? Probably a second. I think I think that's fair. You can't give up. You definitely can't give up first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is fair. I think that's fair for both sides. If I could get a second for Adam Thielen and I'm not in the title hunt, you know, it's like how long is it going to last? How old will he be able to play? Get some youth to my team. I'd be fine with that. And sometimes it, if it costs me a second to go win a championship this year, I'll I'll give it up. I mean, who cares? Once you get the championship, it's yours forever. Yeah, and and just for context, people, this past week, Jason got his butt handed to him in Dino Jr., uh, thanks to my, my dig stack. So, I, you know, I, I've got some seconds out there. No, no, no. For, to, to upgrade. Not thanks to your dig stack. Thanks to Gabe Davis <laughs> goosing. While I left Kareem Hunt on the bench, I was like, which one? Back and forth, back and forth. If we just make the other decision, you could keep your dig stag. You still lose. Ugh, yeah. That's all right. You, We've faced each other in the championship we, before. Uh, so many maybe we'll times. do that again. Many times. Well, so then how many titles do you have? I have one. Against me? You were trash that year, man. You didn't even make it. Right. But uh, I've got one. No, I've got two. 
No, I've got three in a row. You can't talk trash to the champ, champ, champ. Get out of here, you I, I will be I, so- I beat him in week nine when he got the championship in week 17. I will be fuming if Jason... Well, well the thing is that they're on a course to be there again. I hate it. Oh, yeah, we are, baby. I hate old. so good, and we the are The team with so, all the olds? Yeah, We old. are so old, it is unbelievable. Do you have we, Mostert and Thielen? Oh, we've got Mostert. Uh, we've got Kelsey. We've got Derek Henry. Evans. We've got Mike Evans, Devontae Adams. We are... I mean, this all, those are all good players. Those are we can win a championship here, but they, they are old. <laughs> they are, and and usually I've talked about this on the show before. Like it, in general, I would have used these players over the last two years to retool while they're superstars and have projected a couple more years left. Trade them for a young stud, unproven player plus a one. That's like my favorite thing to do. But we couldn't do it because we've been winning championships, and we just got to ride this thing. Into the ground, because if we can get four, we're getting four in a row, baby. I'm just, I'm on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs back, just saying, carry me. Just take me as far as you can, or I will die. So one more segment. Take it or leave it. We're going to give a parting thought here, a second half dynasty hot take as we move into week 10. Bet start us off. I'm going to say Brandon Ayuk finishes the rest of the season as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. And that sounds crazy because it's a CMC show in San Francisco. And we know Debo will come back and George Kittle will pop up for three or four spike weeks across that sample. But man, I love our schedule adjusted metrics and the the tool on the site for Foot Clan members. San Francisco's schedule is just unreal for wide receivers coming up. They have the easiest schedule remaining from week uh, 10 this week until week 17. And Ayuk has been really good in the first half of the year. So I'm going to say Ayuk, top 10 fantasy wide receiver, rest of the season. All right, Jason, you're up. I'm going to say that next year in startup drafts, when you are drafting the always desired second-year wide receivers, we we know the big four. You got Puka, Addison, Flowers, and JSN in whatever order you want. Those guys will be highly drafted, hot commodities. I think the fifth, the next wide receiver up after those four guys is going to be Michael Wilson by the end of the year, the Arizona Cardinals rookie wide receiver who was injured this last week. The Cardinals getting Kyler back, having a bad defense, and what projects to be able to be a solid offense. They're getting James Conner back, so they'll have Conner, they'll have Hollywood, Rondale, and Michael Wilson, with Kyler at the helm, you should be able to put up a lot of points. And if Michael Wilson can show what he showed in training camp with a quarterback that can actually get him the ball, this could be more of a Hollywood-Michael Wilson thing, and you the other guys kind of fade away as the passing volume comes because the Cardinals are going to have to air it out. So I, I think the second half of this year, Michael Wilson's going to be very valuable. All right, the second half this year, I'm calling it Dalton Kincaid is the tight end one in PPR leagues the rest of the season. So better than Travis Kelsey, better than Mark Andrews. I think it wouldn't be crazy to say that he gets as many receptions as them because the way he's been used recently and rest of season schedule, if you want to look in our Foot Clan tools, he's top five in schedule adjusted and points allowed for tight end position. And he's just, he's the wide receiver two on this team. Sorry, ahead of Gabe Davis, rest of the season. So I would love it in a couple of leagues if Dalton Kincaid came through. For me, but uh, 
I think I think he's going to be the hotness. I think he's going to just be locked in in PPR. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. Make sure you check out everything at jointhefoot.com and you can join our Foot Clan Leagues. Be a part of it. We'll see you again next week on the Dynasty Show. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com.